Good morning. You're listening to Morning Musings on Divine Mercy Radio with Matthew Hogan. And now, here's Matthew. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Musings. This is Matthew Hogan, and today I have a very special guest from Ave Maria University, Dr. John Hasso, and he's the chair of the Literature and Communications Department, I think, now. So congratulations to him, and we have a, we're going to cover C.S. Lewis more specifically, especially an essay written by Lewis called On Stories, which I think really gives a lot of information about where he's coming from with his stories. And like, so with all of his famous works, people generally think of are Narnia or his space trilogy, or sometimes the screw tape letters, especially when you think of theology and philosophy being inserted into his works. Those are all excellent examples, but I think a good way of actually kind of like getting an idea of like what makes Lewis tick and what makes him really work on his stories is this particular essay. And I think a good way to start would be just kind of like going into the basics, a basic overview of what the essay actually says. So without further ado, Dr. Hasso. The essay itself starts out with Lewis kind of remembering a engagement with a student of his, a bright student that he talks about, an American student, and they're talking about the nature of literature and the nature of excitement. And they got into a little bit of a debate about whether why you read exciting literature, whether it's adventure stories or you know, fairy stories, is the you know, what the reason was. And the student you know liked the the event that happened, and Lewis maintained that it couldn't just be about the events that happened because after you read in the first time, you know, the, the surprise is sort of gone. So he was arguing that there was something else. And so the piece is kind of an exploration of what he says is a part of literature that at that point in time, people hadn't really studied, which was story itself and the nature of story. And so there's uh, a number of observations in there. It's not what I would call a single cohesive kind of theory of story, but he's trying to look at it. And I think that probably the what story does and how it achieves it. And at the at the end of, of the story, it you know, doesn't really spoil anything. The end of the essay, you know, he says, I should like to be able to believe that I'm here in a very small way contributing, for criticism does not always come later than practice, to the encouragement of a better school of prose story in England, of story that can mediate imaginative life to the masses while not being contemptible to the few. And then a little bit later in that passage, he says, the plot, as we call it, is only really a net whereby to catch something else. So I'd say that his idea of story is really this idea that the story itself is is meant to be the sort of mediator trying to snatch at something that perhaps is uncatchable and that what it's trying to do is to be somewhat between poetry and just sheer popular entertainment. It's trying to mediate between the sort of high ideals of high poetry and what we might just call pop culture. Yeah, and I think he covers a lot of different aspects of it, too, because, like, one thing we see in Lewis's works is almost always, like, a spiritual element, even though mm-hmm. Lewis, devout Anglican, not Catholic, but he does have a lot of very Catholic elements in his, all of his works pretty much throughout, but he doesn't really mention it throughout his particular essay where he covers kind of his theory of story, which I thought was really interesting. The closest I could really find about it was where he actually mentions, where he's talking about spiritual and physical dangers. One of the quotes I wrote down is, it is we ourselves and the author who walk through a world of spiritual dangers, which makes them, also known as physical dangers, seem trivial. And I found that to be a bit of a fascinating take, especially because if you look at, for example, probably his most well-known work, Narnia, that seems to have an element of physical and spiritual dangers really intermixed with each other, and that's kind of like a large element of like Aslan and a lot of what he has to do there. But I don't know what you might say in that in the relation of spiritual and physical in this work. 
I would completely agree that that's probably one of the most important passages of this work and the one that really sort of brings it into the realm of the theological and the spiritual. And in fact, my favorite line is the one just after that, where, or you know, two lines after that. He says, the part of the secret is that the author, or this author, he's talking about David Lindsay and his voyage to Arcturus, like Kafka, is recording a lives dialectic. And, you know, just shortly after that, he talks about, you know, the, the, the good of other worlds, of imagining imaginary places, you know, whether they're in outer space and science fiction or, you know, sort of fantasy fairyland. And he says that in order to do so, we have to draw on the only other, other, you know, the only other world that we've ever known, which is the world of the spirit. So in some ways he sees all of, you know, the, the good, or at least one of the main roles that fairy stories and imaginative stories in general can, can, uh, can reach is this sort of spiritual experimentation or these spiritual experiences that we can't really articulate in any other way or can't really, you know, experiment with in any other way except for these other worlds. Yeah, and the one thing that really stands out for me throughout the entire essay is his elements of wonder that he really mixes in. And though the essay is about stories, broadly speaking, it does specifically dip into fairy stories at one point and fairy tales. And another part that I thought was really interesting was where he wrote that the logic of a fairy tale is as strict as that of a realistic novel, though different. But he also defends the use of a realistic novel. It's just that when he talks about realistic novels, it seems to be that he likes to have this kind of sub-creation work in, where the reader is drawn into this world that is created in the realistic novel to the point that the realistic novel is a lot like what you'd see in a fairy tale or science fiction, as you mentioned with the Voyage to Arcturus that he talks about as well, where it's these worlds that we get drawn into that takes us away for a little bit that we can relate to, but also makes it so that way it's different and exciting in the difference. So, you know, he, he mentions the realistic novel, and he says, yeah, the logic is logic is different. And as far as I know, I could be wrong, but I don't know if he ever wrote a quote-unquote realistic novel, you know, but he does mention some, you know, some like The Last of the Mohicans or King Solomon's Mind, which are, you know, you call them adventure stories, but they're not, there's nothing necessarily magical about them, right? You know, as far as everything seems to be in this world. So, you know, I do think that he doesn't make a, a sharp distinction between these types of literature and that what he says about story and plot and the sort of grasping towards some higher reality can be just as true in a quote-unquote realistic novel that would be in a fantasy or science fiction. Yeah, and one thing that kind of made me think a little bit too is, why do you think, even though this isn't covered specifically by Lewis, but why might you say that Catholics and Christians especially are able to approach the world with wonder in comparison to people who don't actually have that faith backing them up? Yeah, I mean, here we might look at some of the predecessors of uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.L. Tolkien, someone like G.K. Chesterton or George MacDonald, you know, with the idea that we live in a in a wonderful place, in a place that's full of wonder. And it's only a sort of mistake of, you know, I want to say modernity, but I'm sure this mistake has happened before in pre-modern times, you know, just thinking that the world itself is sort of dead or, you know, all explainable, that, you know, we kind of lose our wonder. And so, you know, that's I think that's a, a line out of one of G.K. Chesterton's essays was, you know, we'll never, the world will never want for wonders only for lack of one, you know, only for wonder, right? And so it's not that the world itself is become a less wonderful place in modernity. It's just that our sense of wonder has become more and more deadened more widely across humanity. One of the things that I think is at the core of this entire essay is that he is aiming at potential prospective authors along with readers, like people who both enjoy stories but also those who make them. So for those who are potentially looking at writing a story and are actually listening right now, what do you think are some what do you think are the core elements that Lewis is trying to get across to any potential authors? 
Here, I might cheat a little bit and default to something else that we've read. And so if you're, you know, if anyone's interested in learning from Lewis about the sort of craft of writing, I mean, you know, he has, there are a couple collections out, one's on stories and other essays. I believe you might have one that's also called on writing, but the, you know, the, the reprint that we had here of this essay was from on stories and other essays. And there's another essay in there about fairy stories. And, you know, the, the key there is that you kind of, you need to have something to say to a point where not writing it is almost, you know, a something that compels you, right? Not writing it really isn't a choice. And then you have to have the, you know, the, the literary ability to say it, say it well. And so there's this balance between what he calls the man and the artist, you know, and sometimes, you know, if you don't have that, that drive or that thing to say, that's something you definitely want to develop. You can't engineer a story, but you have to have this almost spiritual experience that you want to communicate. And that a story is, you know, one of the best ways or the only way you have to communicate it. Once you have that, then you have at least the ingredients and the correct motivation for a sort of, you know, P.S. Lewis type story. We will now return to the Sunrise Morning Show.